Hello, welcome back to Project Freelance. My name is Kay Nagonio and I'm your host here on this podcast all about freelancing. If you are a freelance photographer, if you want to get into street photography or nightlife photography, this is the episode for you. I'm speaking with Mike Romer out of St. Louis, Missouri. He's an urban explorer. He's a nightlife photographer. He's a protest photographer. He wants to be a combat photographer. So we talk about a bunch of really cool things in this episode, and I think it will help you out a lot if you're an up-and-coming photographer. I learned a lot from him, actually, and I'm going to be taking some of his insight with me on my future freelancing gigs. So before we get into the podcast, I need to let you know that I have a book out called No Tracers, An Urban Explorer's Diary. It's full of photos and stories from all my trips into abandoned places all over the United States and a couple international spots. If you guys want to get a copy of it, you can head to notracers.com slash shop. Also, if you guys didn't know, this podcast is now partnered with Liquid Death Water. If you don't know what Liquid Death Water is, don't you worry your pretty little head. You've got an ad coming at you in three, two, one. From the streams of the Austrian Alps comes a new kind of water. A water that is sure to raise you from your grave. If you're tired of buying cases of plastic water bottles that contain carcinogens and God knows what else, or if you're trying to lower your waste footprint. Liquid Death comes in beautifully rugged aluminum cans. Murder your thirst with a can of Liquid Death. Check the link in the description and use code just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order. Liquid Death. Murder your thirst. So yeah, use just the letter K at checkout for 10% off your order of a case of Liquid Death. Thank you, Liquid Death, for partnering with me. I appreciate it. You guys are my first partner, and I am so glad it's a water company. Like, that's freaking awesome. So let's jump into this podcast. Mike, can you please introduce yourself and what it is you do to the Project Freelance audience? My name is Mike Romer from St. Louis, Missouri, and I've been a freelance photographer now for coming up seven years or so. Yeah. So tell me how you got into photography. What made you pick up a camera? It kind of started out with uh, me wanting to photograph my friends um, and the things that are happening around me in my life. Um, I had a lot of really good people around me uh, to, to help me with photography. I took a photography class back in high school. Uh, I did miserable at it. Absolutely terrible. And then after high school, um, I lived right down the street from uh, Webster, Webster University, and I met a bunch of cool people there that um, put a camera back in my hands and got me re, uh, re-interested in photographing again. So did you study after high school? Did you study any photography, or have you studied any photography, like taking any courses or anything, or just watching like YouTube videos, stuff like that? I didn't really keep studying after high school. Uh, I kind of gave up on that and this, uh, went into just like partying after, after high school. Um, but yeah, some of the best, the best things that I've learned is watch YouTube videos. If you got questions about anything, or if you, you're losing inspiration, in something just there's millions of YouTube videos on different photographers, what they photograph and how they do that. So, and I think that you know, education is changing a lot now that, you know, uh, especially right now during this 
pandemic situation, everybody's taking classes online right. anyway. Yeah. And it's like, why are you paying a ton of money to go to college when you could literally just Google it or go on YouTube or join masterclass or, you know, a, one of the million and one different online learning platforms that there are out there now. So I don't think it's necessary to go to school to study this stuff anymore uh, in a way. No way. Yeah, no, absolutely not. Especially with something where it's like a craft mm -hmm. more than something like, you know, I mean, yeah, if you want to become a doctor or something that, you know, studies medicine, of course you have to go, yeah, you have to go figure that out from a teacher. But when it's something like a craft or like a trade in some ways, you know, that's something that you can just learn um, by yourself or surrounding yourself with other people that will teach you stuff. Yeah. What camera did you start on? What was your first camera? My first camera was a Pentax K1000. Um, it was given to me by a, a good friend of mine, Kyle Flores. Um, it was a 35 millimeter camera. Uh, and that's kind of like, it, I think when we were in high school, it was a Canon AE1. It was also a 35 millimeter camera. I didn't really start jumping into digital stuff until about like a year and a half or so, or two years in. To taking photos um and the reason that uh, i started going digital is i started getting gigs and it was far more expensive to you know go go to a gig and you know having to bring 10 rolls of film and then you know developing that and then printing those and then scanning the film and getting those onto a digital copy to present to the company um so yeah, then I think after that it was a, a Nikon D thirty two hundred, um, fucking terrible camera. I hated that. <laughs> I, I hated that camera. Um, and then from there I went to a, a Canon six D, and that's pretty much what I've been using um, nonstop. I did kind of play around with the Fuji X one hundred T. It's one of the smaller digital cameras with a fixed thirty five millimeter lens. Uh, I liked it. I just didn't like the colors that Fuji produced. Um, I wasn't. I wasn't too. I wasn't too big of a fan of it. They were a little too vibrant for me. But uh, yeah, it's a. Uh, it's interesting that you started on film. You know, I studied when I was studying film. I lived overseas, so uh, first I lived okay. in the Middle East. And so we just did everything digitally because we weren't about to try to ship out film to get it developed. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to Australia, which in the, to the most isolated part of Australia, which is Perth, Western Australia. And uh, they were like, oh, yeah, we're not going to do film in this film course because uh, we <laughs> we don't want to ship it to the other side of Australia because it's going to get ruined on the way there and on the way back. So it's uh, not even worth it. So I never really got a chance to dive into actually using film. And I kind of wish I had, you know, I wish I had just learned that, like the fundamentals of it and like developing mm -hmm. that and doing that whole thing. So what was it like for you um, to shoot on film? Was it like... Do, do you prefer that over digital despite the long process it takes? It slows me down a lot more when I shoot film. Um, you really start taking into account your shutter clicks because every time you hear that click, it's, you know, money coming out of your pocket or your client's pocket, or whoever you're working for. Um, it, it's nice though. Like if you're kind of like in a rut with photography and it happens a lot to me, uh, like for my own personal work, um, 
just being able to, to slow down and really look at your frame and what you're photographing and then deciding whether or not is this actually a good photo or am I just taking this just to take it with, with digital. I mean, you can, you can go to a location, take hundreds of photos and use one or two of them. Mm. Right. Um, but you can't necessarily do that with film unless, you know, you have, you have a lot of the chemistry with you that you can do it yourself and it doesn't matter. And it's like the cost of the film isn't that big of an issue. Um, but for me right now, I, I, I don't have that type of money to just go out there and burn seven rolls to get one photo. <laughs> I feel so you. It, it slows it down. You know, it's, it's, an, it's a lot nicer that way, in my opinion. Yeah, definitely. And I think the prints turn out better if you do film mm-hmm. personally. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I followed Tyler Shields. He does a lot of like large, yeah. large scale printing and I love his mm-hmm. work and I love how it, it turns out and he shoots mostly on film. So yeah, I just wanted to get your perspective on that. Um, and then how long did your freelancing take to like start to take off? Like, um, usually it takes, you know, several years for people to like build their business to a place where they can like do it full time. So what about Mm -hmm. for you? How long did it take for you to be able to start like paying your bills and things like that? Uh, within the past year, Mm. uh, within the past year or so, um, that's when I, I started doing it now full time, full time. I have a great job. Uh, right now where, uh, I'm a nightlife photographer. I get to document nightlife, bartending, things like that. Um, but in the beginning, it, it's, it surprisingly took off a lot faster than I thought. Uh, and I wasn't quite ready for it. I was, I was producing dog shit images to a client for money. Um, but it, it's not, it's not hard really to get into it because photography nowadays, is, it's, it's still a, a pretty in-demand thing, especially with Instagram, social media, and stuff like that. Um, the thing is, I, I wish I took my time more with it and known, like, hey, I, I'm not ready to be charging for this work yet. Yeah. Um, because nothing's worse than you know, if, if you're not in, in my opinion, if you're not prepared to photograph something, but you take the gig anyways, you're actually doing that client a disservice. And you're also taking money out of pockets of photographers that are ready that, that could use that type of money. Yeah, I, I totally feel you. And like, I kind of ran into a situation similar to that the other day, I have this new potential client that, uh, owns like a trampoline company. So they, they build trampolines, you know, super exciting, Mm -hmm. but they need photos of their products, you know, which is great. That's where I come in as a photographer and a videographer. And they, they were like, Oh yeah, we're putting this on hold because we need somebody to do some graphic design stuff. And I was like, Oh, I do a little bit bit of graphic design, send me what you need. And they sent me an example and I, you know, had to say like, oh no, that's definitely way out of my, my wheelhouse. You know, it wasn't the type of graphic design that I was capable of doing. And instead of, instead of taking that job and doing a horrible job and having them waste money, me waste time and then them have to go find somebody else. I just told them straight up like, yeah, I can't, I can't do that. But anything you need photo video wise, I'm, I'm your girl. Yeah. And it's just like, it's just knowing your limits and knowing what you can and cannot do Mm -hmm. to produce a good product for the client. Cause at the end of the day, you want, you want to give them your best work. Yeah. And if you just accept every job and every gig, you know, it's not, it, it sounds good in theory, but in reality it's not because then your portfolio is it's not going to be as sharp as it could be. Absolutely. So 
how did you get your nightlife gig? Um, did you find it online? Did they approach you? How did you get in connection with them? And I'm asking for, you know, other photographers that are just starting out that maybe have an interest in nightlife photography and they want to start shooting at, at bars or clubs. Like, tell them uh, how you got into doing that specifically. Oh, man. Um, I knew a couple guys uh, that worked at one of the nightclubs here in St. Louis. Um, and they were wanting me to come in and, you know, talk to them about it. And, um, you know, when I first started, when I first started there, um, I told them that I wanted to photograph nightlife, uh, more like street photography to where, you know, it's not the stereotypical, like, Hey, everybody get together. Let's, you know, get a photo. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did plenty of that. And I still do plenty of that, but, um, it really came from them wanting them seeing my street photography work and wanting to incorporate that into nightlife photography. And I feel like it kind of goes hand in hand because mm -hmm. when you start shooting nightlife similar to street, you know, you get more real moments, you get more candid moments of people having a good time in an establishment than when, if you, if you just go up to someone and, you know, try to get the photo, you know, some people might be uncomfortable with getting their photo taken you know, someone might be blinking, someone might not have the best look on their face. And then, you know, you don't, you, you never want to portray someone in a bad light. So whenever you get those types of images, uh, they're usually throwaway images and then it's a waste of time. And, um, but when you get more of a candid shot of someone, people usually respond better to that because it looks more natural, looks more in the moment. And, uh, at least the company that I work for nowadays, they seem to like that a little bit more than just a stereotypical group shot. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, candid shots are always my favorite types of images over any pose shot ever, just because like you mm -hmm. said, it's more natural. There's, there's more room for creativity. Like when you walk up to somebody and you say, all right, guys, let's get together for yeah. a photo. <laughs> like it takes the energy out of it, like sucks the energy out of the room. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You could walk up to a group. That's the most ecstatic group in the whole place. They're dancing. They're having such a good time. And then when you approach now, they kind of feel a little bit more self-conscious mm -hmm. and introvert in this situation. than if you would have just walked up there and just started immediately taking photos of them having a great time, Sometimes when you do it that way, their response is actually uh, more energetic. Right. You know, they see someone taking photos, they're all dancing, they're all already on 10 with their energy. So then that usually keeps it going. And you usually, get, in my opinion, you get better images in that, in that way. Definitely. So take me through like your typical evening into night. Like what does your work evening look like? Um, usually I, uh, I wake up. Um, I spent a good hour or two, depending on how many images I took from the night before. Um, I, I go through there, I comb through them. I edit the best ones and I upload them to my work drive to where the company that I work for is and they, they can pick and choose what kind of images they use. Um, and also one part of the job that I have now is I also run a social media. There's uh, a part of their social media. So then I'll take some of the images that I feel are the best ones and I'll use those images to promote the next night or the, the night of, uh, the next day. And, um, then, you know, then I kind of hang out, I get, I do everything I need to do around my house. And then I usually start going back into work around, 
eight o'clock or so, eight p.m. And then I usually stay there until about maybe two two a.m. or so. Shooting it depends on how busy the night is. Um, if it's a it's a if it's a super busy night, I'll be there until about three a.m. And then uh, go home, get some sleep, start it over the next day. Wow. So I I always find nightlife. Uh, like staff or anybody that works in the night, I always find it super fascinating because I have like the opposite schedule. Cause I'm usually shooting during the day outside, you know? And right. so I love like picking the brains of people that, that are up late at night. Like, how is it to work at night? Does it feel different? Does it like, is the energy different? Like what's it like versus, you know, shooting during the day? Um, it's kind of, it's, it's hit or miss. Um, it depends on the crowd. Really, it really all depends on who's coming to the club at that night. Um, some nights, you know, it'll be more energetic than the next. Um, let's see, but it, it's not bad. And the thing that's also nice is that, especially nowadays in like 2020, you know, everybody and their mother has social medias, they have Instagrams, they have things like that, right? And everybody wants to be photographed out doing stuff to show their friends and whoever that, you know, that they're, they're out they're they're partying, they're having a good time, you know? So it, it's a lot easier nowadays because it seems like people are more uh, accepting of getting their photo taken than, than some other jobs and gigs that I've done in the past where people are more introvert on it and they don't really want their photo taken and they're, or they're really uncomfortable with it. But um, in nightclubs and stuff like that, it seems to be, most people want their photo taken so that they so then they can post it on their Instagram or post it on their Facebook or whatever and kind of show people, hey, I'm out, I'm having a good time. Absolutely. So speaking of social media, how has that helped you as a freelancer? Has it gotten you more gigs? Like what what is your what is your use of social media like? Social media has helped out tremendously really with gigs, especially with, um, like clothing brands, um, startup businesses, things like that. Uh, it helps out a lot and word of mouth, uh, travels a lot faster through social media, um, than it does out on the street. Um, it's a good, it's a great tool to use. Um, I've gotten shit almost, I would almost say 90% of my gigs through Instagram, you know, like I'll I'll do work with one company, then they'll post an image that I've taken. And then another company will see that they'll like that image and they'll contact me. So then it's like a a tree effect, you know, uh, it's phenomenal. You know, just marketing yourself in a, in a good way, producing good work and, um, having, uh, a good, having good business with these companies. So if you can use them as referrals and things like that. And who are some of the, who are some of your favorite brands you've worked with or what are some of the favorite projects you've gotten to work on? Uh, I mean, I really liked working with stag beer. Um, I don't know if you guys have that out in California. I don't know. Um, I don't drink, so I, I wouldn't know anyway. <laughs> oh, okay, yeah. um, working with them, I worked with uh, Umzel, uh, which, is, which is a university here. Um, I liked working with them. Uh, I, I really, to be honest with you, I don't think I have. I, I don't think I've really worked with a company that I didn't like. Um, 
the best times is when, you know, I'll, I'll sit down with them and we'll talk about what they want. And when they look at me and say like, yo, we've hired you, we like your, your look and what you like to photograph. And they give you complete creative freedom on how to document whatever they need documented. So I would say though, um, that would probably be the best way. And nowadays for the most part, companies are like that. They, they give you that creative freedom. They have a sh like a list of things that they need done and they need photographed, but they don't really restrict you on how to photograph those. Yeah. I love that. I love having the creative freedom when working with brands. It's definitely the best part. And when they do trust you fully like that, like there's nothing like it. It's an absolutely oh, incredible huge. experience. It's amazing, yeah. Yeah. So um, you photographed some of the protests that happened. Can you tell me about your experience doing that? Yeah. Um, so um, Mike Brown happened. Um I don't know. What was that? Five years ago or so. Mm -hmm. Uh, that was something that around that time I was really, I was really heavily diving into street photography and learning how to photograph street photography and protest photography and, uh, things like that kind of go hand in hand. Yeah. It's very candid. It's uh, very shot from the hip and off the cusp. Um, I, I really, really enjoy, enjoy photographing, uh, stuff like that. Cause in my opinion, that's, that's history that's happening within my city that I can document and hang on to and show people that weren't there or, you know, might have a skewed idea of what was happening during that time. Um, protest photography is, um, incredibly important in my opinion, you know, um, especially showing a lot of stuff that, uh, you know, news, news organizations and things like that. They're not, they're not showing you, um, a lot of that or they're not there. Yeah. You know, if, if things start getting crazy, they, they usually pull out pretty quick. Mm. So being there and documenting that is incredibly important for history yeah. in my opinion. Oh um, yeah. And, uh, it's very enjoyable, um, being able to, uh, be there and document that. Yeah. And I think it, like you said, it's extremely important that we do capture those moments and it's seeing all these photos, you know, recently from the streets, like it just goes to show you that we are the news. Mm -hmm. yeah. we, we capture the news, you know, and we tell it in the way that isn't biased. It's just, this is what's happening in the streets. Yeah. Um, I've seen, yeah, you're a hundred percent right. I have seen it change though, uh, recently. So, uh, we had Mike Brown with Ferguson. We had Jason Stockley, um, who did some horrendous things and then ended up walking away from that. Um, and I documented that whole entire, uh, a whole entire movement. And then uh, what's going on nowadays in 2020, um, people are not as receptive of photographers as they once were. Um, yeah, nowadays, um, you know, if you're photographing someone, you know, maybe busting a window, setting mm -hmm. a business on fire and things like that, um, people, people kind of come at you differently. They, they, they really don't like that. And, you know, um, a lot of these groups and things like that, they, they want to, they want to get after you about doing that. And, uh, I, I'm not a fan of that. I don't think that we should block history 
because someone's uncomfortable with getting their photo taken. I yeah. think that everything needs to be documented. Everything. Good, yeah. bad, all of it. And, I agree. Um, you know, it, it's just changed. I've seen it change. I'm not the biggest fan of it. The, that, I, I do think that, you know, I mean, there's famous photos, um, you know, from Vietnam War that, you know, people chastise those photographers for taking those images. And those were actually images that changed the whole entire course of the war. Mm. You know, so I think that every, I think that everything needs to be photographed. Um, just, you know, I think, I don't think anybody should limit what you can and cannot take photos of. I, I think agree. If you feel, if you feel the need, if you, if you feel like what's happening in front of you should be photographed, photograph it. And, you know, if anybody doesn't really like it, fuck off. doesn't matter to me. <laughs> to hell with them, man. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. I, I feel the same way. I mean, I have a tattoo on my arm that says capture every moment. And, like, I, I totally agree. I think everything should be documented. I mean, I went from doing daily vlogs, and so I was literally documenting my entire life, you know, and, and getting mm. into photography, same thing. Like, I've always got a camera with me everywhere I go, like – it's right. just like you don't want to miss out on these moments because you never know what could happen. You never know what's going to happen. You never know what your photo can change. Exactly. Um, I, uh, there, there used to be a, uh, I'm sure it's still a, a pretty big issue here. Uh, K2, that synthetic marijuana. Mm. That was going oh, yeah, on yeah. for a while. Um, I, uh, I documented that there used to be a street on 14th and Olive uh, downtown that was notorious for that use. And uh, I went down there and I photographed a guy who was actually having an adverse reaction to K2. It, it, it looked very similar to an overdose. Wow. Um, and we pulled him out of the street and, you know, we were, we were helping out. We got ambulance involved and stuff like that. And I snapshotted a photo of him. And uh, I, got, I got mixed reactions back and forth from it. You know, I got people saying, hey, good job for documenting that. And I had a lot of people saying like, oh, you're, you know, you're documenting this terrible thing, you know, mm. and they, they wanted to make me feel bad for it. But what I noticed was that me photographing that it reaches people that might not come downtown to see what's happening. Right. So they don't know how bad the situation is actually getting. But then if you can show them an image that might be shocking to some people and show them that, you know, this is, this is a problem that we need to, we need to figure out. We need to fix this in the best way possible. And it wouldn't, these people that live outside the city, they would never see that until I put it in their face. And I feel like that is better than not taking the photo and you know, not telling the story. people. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. People didn't know that K2 was that big of an issue. Some of these people didn't know that K2 was that big of an issue until they saw these adverse reactions that were happening to people from smoking it. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's so, it's so like cool that you are not only nightlife photographer, but you also have this side of you that is like, I mean, you're a journalist, you know, you're, you're a journalist, whether you, you take that title or not, but you're, you're capturing these moments that a lot of photographers are, um, afraid to capture they're afraid to put themselves in that position to get those images you know so mm -hmm. i think that it's very notable that you do that kind of stuff and i think that what you're doing is is phenomenal and i think that mm -hmm. it's it's definitely you've got some images that you know first of all should be on like 
Time magazine. You know, like I could see your shit on some of these like top magazines. And so I wish you the best of luck with everything that you're doing. Um, I appreciate that. Yeah, absolutely. So what are your goals for photography? Where do you want to go with this? What do you see yourself doing in the future? About five years ago, um, I I really wanted to start. It actually kind of stemmed from photographing Ferguson. Um, I I really want to pursue uh, combat photography or... um, you know, like war photography, conflict photography. I want to travel and document things that are happening around the world, whether it's in Egypt, Syria, Afghanistan, wherever. I, I really want to go that realm. Um, it's hard. It's hard to kind of uh, get into that. A lot of these photographers that do that, they have to fork up a lot of their own money to get there. Um, and pay for their board and their food. And then also, um, getting their own talkers. So translators, people that know the area, people that can direct them in the right area, where to go, where not to go. Um, that that's really my goal. Um, it's just hard to reach that. Yeah. I think that, um, I, so I used to want to do that as well. And I think conflict photography is like we were talking about super important for the history aspect of the world, capturing those moments and capturing those conflicts. And it is extremely hard work. Uh, I've talked to a couple people that have been conflict photographers and, you know, it's a, like you said, there's a lot that goes into it that takes, it, it takes a lot out of you to do that kind of stuff. Um, but again, like, I think that you should totally pursue it because you would, you would absolutely crush it. I think that the way you shoot your style is, is very interesting and unique to you. And I think that you could bring a lot to that world of conflict photography. That's my hope. You know, I hope, I hope one day I will get to that point. Um, I'm not giving up on it. It's it's not something I'm I'm ever going to, I'm ever going to give up on. It's just, um, finding a way to do it. Um, you know, uh, a lot of the, the protest photos I do, I send to, you know, Huffington Post times, all those to see if they maybe they, they might bite and then, mm. you know, take me on and send me somewhere else. Uh, so that's something that I've always been doing and, uh, I'm still very active on trying to obtain that goal. Love it. And, you know, I wish you the best of luck with that. I think that you'll get there eventually. You just got to keep one day. keep sending them images, man. Just keep keep exactly. doing exactly what exactly. you're doing. And one day they'll be like, all yep. right, let's go. Let's do it. Yep. That's my, that's my goal. That's the hope. Yeah. So who are some of your uh, favorite photographers that are out there? Oh, gosh. Oh, man. Um, Chris Hondros. Um, easily, easily one of uh, the best uh, combat photographers of all times, in my opinion, uh, just his style, the way he shoots, the way he interacts with people is phenomenal. Um, yeah, if you guys haven't checked him out, he also has a, an amazing documentary on Netflix called, uh, it's just Hondros. Um, if you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you check that out. Um, another guy, Bruce Gilden, Bruce Gilden is uh, a street photographer from New York. I think Brooklyn, I think he's from Brooklyn. Um, the way, the way that he photographs things, uh, and what he sees and what he decides to photograph, like the people that he photographs and stuff like that is absolutely incredible. He's got a really good eye with finding people that 
make good photographs. Mm. Um, I mean, other than that, uh, Matt Wilson, uh, he's a local photographer here in St. Louis. He's easily the best street photographer here in St. Louis, hands down. Um, and he's kind of similar in my opinion to Bruce Gilden with the subjects that he picks out and what he photographs and how he photographs it. You know, um, Matt is more of someone that, you know, he'll take the photo when he first sees it and then he'll kind of communicate with that person. And then he'll take a couple other photos of that person and it almost creates the whole story from start to finish. It's very impressive. Yeah. He's, he's an absolute savage. Yeah. I mean, I got a bunch of photographers. I'm, I'm missing out a bunch, but, um, those are the first three that really, really come to mind. Yeah. I'm going to see if we can get uh Hondros on this podcast. Actually, I've, I've seen his documentary and I think he's absolutely so talented and I would love to pick his brain, especially about, you know, combat stuff. Like, uh, yeah, his images Unfortunately, Hondros is, he, he passed away. He's no Wait, longer here. What? When us. did that happen? Yeah, he died. Uh, I want to say in Syria. Holy I want to say he got hit by a mortar in Whoa. Syria. Yeah, unfortunately, yeah. No, he was. Uh, he was really the person that kind of paved the way with um, um, a lot of combat photojournalism. Wow. Uh, yeah, absolutely phenomenal photographer. That's crazy, man. I hate to hear that, but I mean. Yeah. It happens, you know, especially doing what it he does did. happen in that line of word. It does happen. Yeah. So tell me how you, I got a, I got a question for you. Uh, how do you get onto these amazing rooftops, man? How do you get access to these spots? Are you just like street hunting, like just trying buildings, trying doors? Like how are you getting into these places? <laughs> Let's just go ahead and say 99.999% of the doors are open. Um, and I don't have a drone. So, uh, you know, cityscape, photography is, is super cool to me it's it's fun to edit you know let alone like just going there and doing it i love i love that aspect of it but uh to me like getting a when it's like a nice kind of like overcast day where the lighting isn't super harsh you know and then getting an image on top of a roof of a cityscape you can really do anything you want with that edit and that's really really fun to me it's like now i can add my own taste to it and my own flair whether i want to crush the shadows and boost the highlights or whatever the fuck i want to do it's a lot of fun yeah and it's cool to get that that different perspective from you know what your normal down on the street level is you know i love mm -hmm. getting up high and and seeing what you can see i mean i've climbed a few cranes here and there and like man right, right. i tell you what like there's nothing like it there's nothing like that view it's, it's fun it's yeah. a great time yeah Slightly addicting, oh, you know. Yeah, of course it is. It's the uh, <laughs> it's the um, adrenaline of it. Adrenaline yeah. of it. Yeah, yeah. It's just a lot of fun. Yeah, uh, I don't recommend it for most people. True. Yeah, it takes a very very special kind of person to want to you know climb on a rooftop or climb a crane or do this crazy shit. But mm. if you do it, it's definitely definitely worth the view. Absolutely, it is. Yeah, absolutely. So my last question for you is what is something you know now that you wish you knew when you started photography? Knowing your worth, you know, especially nowadays with everybody, you know, every, it seems like everybody nowadays has a camera and, um, every, everybody nowadays wants to consider the, themselves a photographer, which I don't really have that big of a problem with. I think everybody should get into photography and, you know, uh, take photos and 
you know, document their life, but, um, just knowing your worth, you know, um, especially with like wedding photography and shit like that. Like if someone hits you up and they want photos of their wedding and you're not that confident with whether that's understanding how a camera works, whether that's flash or whether that's whatever it is. Um, just knowing, knowing your limits, because if you produce bad images to a client, it's just going to be nothing but detrimental on your career. Um, and also you're taking money out of photographers nowadays that are hungry, that, that are talented, that do need this work to pay their bills. Um, uh, contracts, making sure you really, 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 really read over contracts. Also write your own contracts up, make sure that you don't get fucked in the long run. Um, making sure that companies aren't going to fuck you out of their work, uh, out of your work. Um, I mean, it, I mean, there's so many things that comes, that comes into the freelancing that, that can bite you in the ass long-term. Yeah. And just make sure that, you know, you do, you do a good job and, uh, make sure that you are, uh, you're a good person because you also represent the rest of the photography community as a whole, whenever you do work. So if, if a company has been burned by another photographer, he's going to look at other photographers, at the side of his eye because he, he doesn't know if he's going to get burned again. So just, just do everything right and make sure that you, when you do it right. So other photographers don't get shaded by your bad work. And I've, I've seen that happen before, you know, um, and make sure you get paid. Make sure you get paid. I mean, I understand, I understand helping people out. I, I do that often. I'm not often anymore, but I do it every once in a while for small businesses that I really like. Um, so you can also use your craft as, um, like a good thing for, you know, maybe a small business that needs help. And, you know, you can, if you, if you as a photographer like that business, you like what they're doing, you can use your talent to help them out and get them on their feet because every day, everything nowadays is all on the internet and it's all on social media and the best way for a small business to really get going and get traction is having good images. So, um, also, you know, just be a good person. If, you know, if you see something that you like and you want to be a part of and you want to help them grow, help them out. Awesome, man. And if somebody wants to hire you or see more of your work, where can they go? Uh, they can go on to uh, my website. It's uh, MikeRomer.com. Uh, or you can check out my Instagram. It's just uh, MikeRomer32.com. Uh, not .com. It's just MikeRomer32. All right, guys, that was my podcast with Mike Romer. If you want to hear what he does as an urban explorer, I actually interviewed him on my podcast, No Tracers. It'll be out in a few weeks. So if you haven't heard my new podcast, No Tracers, definitely check that out. It's on the same streaming platforms as this podcast. But if you did enjoy this, please do me a favor and leave a rating and some feedback. Be sure to follow Mike on all of his social media. Check out his website, MikeRomer.com. 
And other than that, I will talk to you guys next week on another episode of Project Freelance. Don't forget, they come out every Monday at 7 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, just in time for your Monday morning commute. Also, drink some liquid death water. It's good for you. It's water. It's great. And yeah, I back it 100%. Use just the letter K for 10% off. And I'll talk to you guys next week. Stay strong. Keep enduring. Go out and go create something.